Welcome to InsideCatholicPhilly.com, where we explore the Catholic faith as it's experienced in church and in everyday life. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with our editor, Matt Gambino. And along with our guests, we discuss the Catholic take on everything from sacraments and Sunday Mass to social media and sports, based on CatholicPhilly.com's award-winning news and commentary. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us here at CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. Our editor, Matt Gambino, is on assignment, but he joins us in spirit. Well, in recent weeks, the issue of same-sex unions has received renewed attention in the Catholic Church. A March 2021 document from the Vatican Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith has affirmed church teaching that while same-sex attracted men and women must be respected, any form of blessing a same-sex union is illicit. And while critics claimed that response isolates same-sex attracted persons from pastoral life, in fact, the Catholic Church has had a long-standing ministry to them. Courage International and its sister organization, Encourage, offers support for those who experience same-sex attraction and their loved ones. And here to talk about some of the work on which that ministry is based is Executive Director Father Philip Bochansky. Father, welcome. Well, thanks so much. It's great to be with you. Great to have you. And I guess I'll start off by saying, to no one's surprise, there seems to be confusion among the general population as to what constitutes sexual attraction, what constitutes gender. Many commonly use the phrase, I identify as. Could you clarify this for us? Well, yeah, I think it's it's helpful to use the terms that the church uses. And when we talk about whether someone is male or female, the catechism refers to that as our sexual identity and recognizes that, as, as the catechism says, being man or being woman is a reality which is good and willed by God. It's a gift that God gives to each of us at the same moment that he creates our soul and our parents help him to create our body. Both body and soul are marked by our identity as male or female. And so the catechism goes on to say that everyone, man and woman, should acknowledge and accept his or her sexual identity. And it's going to have a major impact on our vocation and really on, on the way that we're called to love as men and women and, and as mothers and fathers, either you know with our own children or, or spiritual mothers and fathers. Uh, our, our way of loving and our way of give, giving a gift of ourselves is always marked by our sexual identity. Now, the world uses a term uh, of gender identity to mean something different from sexual identity, going back to the academic discipline of, of gender studies and, and kind of, you know, where gender roles in society and, and culture have come from and whether they're all valid. And of course, we, we recognize that, that sometimes traditional or stereotypical gender roles have to do with systems of injustice and, and of uh, domination. And that's something that the Lord himself said would happen right back in the first few pages of the scripture as a result of the original sin. But it's simply not true that everything about our lives as men and women is socially conditioned and therefore suspect. And it can't be true the way that we understand our nature as human beings, that our that our spiritual or inner sense of self would be a, a different sex or a different reality than the sex that's re- revealed by our bodies. Uh, you know, from a Catholic understanding of the human person, uh, the soul is the form of the body. Uh, soul and body form a unity. And you, you're not a person unless you have a 
body and the soul and, and God creates them at the same time and creates them, you know, as a unity for each other. So it's it's simply not something that God would do to put, you know, a, a masculine soul in a, in a female body or, or vice versa or, you know, create us without any kind of definite sexual identity one way or the other. So the way that the world is looking at these issues, not surprisingly, is, is very different from uh, how Catholics understand the nature of the human person. In terms of sexual attraction, the the church most often uses the term inclination, but I think attraction uh, is just as good. Both of those words would acknowledge that our emotional attractions, desires, inclinations, passions, that that they are part of our experience and that they can change over time and, and that we, you know, however strong those desires or attractions might be, we always remain free to to act or not to act on a particular attraction according to our vocation and our state in life and God's plan for our lives and our bodies and our relationships. Whereas the world tends to use the term orientation to suggest something that is inborn and, and immutable and kind of definitive of a, of a person. And the risk of that, of course, is that people identify with it so strongly that really that becomes the only thing that people see as important about them. You know, whereas it's really, I think, a, a part of human experience that has to be seen in the context of the whole question of who we are and how we're made and how we're called to love in imitation of Christ. Well, with all that said, then what does a pastoral approach to same-sex attraction in accord with church teaching look like? Well, there are two good resources uh, for this to recommend to your listeners. One is a letter from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith uh, from 1986, uh, October of that year, and uh, it's called Letter to the Bishops on the Pastoral Care of Homosexual Persons. And the other is a document from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops from 2006 uh, called Ministry to Persons with a Homosexual Inclination. Nation, guidelines for pastoral care. And so both of those documents uh, really want us to, to make sure that we look at the whole person. Um, Pope Francis said, in life, God accompanies persons and we must accompany them starting from their situation. We must accompany them with mercy. He said that in an interview in September 2013, and then a couple years later in a book-length interview called The Name of God is Mercy, he says, I'm glad we're talking about homosexual persons because before all else comes the human person in his fullness and dignity. And people should not be defined only by their sexual orientation. He says what we should do is is welcome people, pray together, show them the way and help them to walk it. And so, you know, all those those things that the church has had to say really want us to focus on the person in front of us uh, as, a, as a brother or sister in Christ, as a son or daughter of God, as someone with a vocation, someone with dignity, and, you know, the solidarity that we share with them in terms of our, our calling to be very virtuous people, and in terms of our sexuality, to be chaste. So what the church expects is that any time that we have a pastoral plan or program where people who experience same-sex attraction get together to pray together, to share fellowship, that it's always clear that one of the goals of, of getting together is to respond to God's plan for sexuality and to live chaste lives. And so the problem is there's a number of local and, and diocesan and national ministries, both in the United States and other parts of the world that take kind of an ambiguous position about the importance of chastity or leave it up to individuals to decide what that means for them. Or sometimes, you know, and as we've seen uh, very recently, you know, take a very uh, a very clear line about blessing and and upholding and, and really celebrating same-sex sexual relationships and, and civil marriages. 
And so what the, what the CDS said in 1986 was that no authentic pastoral program will leave out that obligation to say that homosexual actions, homosexual intimate behavior is always immoral and that chastity is what we're called to. And they go on to say that silence about the church's teaching or departure from it in an effort to be to provide pastoral care is neither caring nor pastoral, that only what is true can ultimately be pastoral. And to stay silent or be ambiguous about the church's teaching deprives people from receiving the pastoral care that they, they really deserve and need. And so what the church proposes is a multifaceted approach that includes a celebration of the sacraments, especially reconciliation. That includes a chance for people to share their experiences and give witness to, to what happens when they let God God's grace help them to, to do his will. That includes mutual support. That includes building chaste friendships, giving good example and witness to others. You know, that really provides a place for people who are living with this experience, which can be difficult sometimes, uh, especially if they're, they're feeling isolated and alone in the world, to, to come together and share their lives with one another, build chaste friendships with one another and, and with the church. And, you know, really, we tend to forget that all of the faithful are called to chastity, regardless of your vocation. Am I correct? I mean, the, the catechism does specify that. Oh, quite right. According to our state in life, your married people are called to chastity, which for them means that their their sexual relationship is in the context of their marriage, which is permanent and exclusive and faithful, that their relations are open to having children and that their relations are done in a way that builds them up, not just as two people who like one another and you know take pleasure in being intimate, but really builds up their lives as a family and and as an outward sign of that inner sharing of a total gift of self. And then what the church says is that anybody who hasn't made that total gift of self in marriage shouldn't be making a gift of of their bodies to one another, that people who aren't married, be they single or consecrated people or ordained people, that all of us who are not married are called to abstain from sexually intimate actions. And, you know, single people who are pursuing a relationship in hopes of marriage, you know, need to be, need to observe that as well. Although, you know, their, their way of showing affection is going to be different because they're, they're, they're pursuing someone who, who could be a spouse someday. And, and that's their intention. But, you know, when the object of our uh, attraction or affection is, is not someone who can be a spouse, either because in the case of a consecrated or ordained person, they've made a promise of a celibacy or a vow of chastity, or in the case of a person who experiences same-sex attraction, because it's not possible for, for the spouse to be a person of the same sex. In that case, what we're called to do is to, to offer up those romantic or, or erotic feelings and pursue instead a different kind of love, namely the love of friendship. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Father Philip Bochansky, Executive Director of Courage International. Such a pleasure to speak with you at a moment when your ministry is much needed and your words of insight much needed in our culture, in our church, in our world. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thanks, Gina. It's my pleasure. Take care. God bless you in your ministry and come back soon. I appreciate that. All right. Take care. So you've heard our thoughts. What about yours? Reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Catholic Philly or visit us online at CatholicPhilly.com. Thanks so much to Matt Gambino, the editor of CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. And until next time, may God bless and keep you. This podcast has been a production of CatholicPhilly.com. Music by Dustin Taylor Phillips. For more information, visit us online at CatholicPhilly.com.